All right, you'll have to um, put up with my attention-seeking cough today. That's the only reason I do it. Um, so I've actually been, as we're talking about the Holy Spirit, this is actually the last week, and um, we've been talking about, about the Holy Spirit for a good while um, in that kind of Welcome Holy Spirit series. And I've actually been teaching on this all weekend. We're part of a church network called Tabar, and so there's about a dozen churches in Ireland that are part of that, and one of those churches is a church called Keynes, which is in Bangor, and so I was doing their leaders weekend, and the topic was the Holy Spirit. So um, either I'm completely knackered talking about the Holy Spirit, or I have something to say because I've been talking about it all weekend. We'll see. Um, but it's really, really important that we think um, really well about this subject, about this topic, um, because this is how we are to live. This is part of the, the gospel story. But um, let's have a wee quiz, first of all, okay? Do you know what that means? It means there's interaction required. So, see, you guys, I'm just trying to set you up for, you know, you come and you're, like, going to receive, but now Chris is going to ask you to do something. It's going to get, it feels like it's going to get dangerous. Maybe it will be. Um, why did Jesus come? That's what he did. It's a good answer. But why did Jesus come? He came because he loved us. Okay, that's a good answer. Why else, Sean? Destroy the works of the devil. Why else? Why did Jesus come? It was God's plan. Okay, yeah, good. Bring us closer to God. Yes, that's good. That's good too. Okay, what else? Show us the Father. Yes, excellent. Okay, really good. Anything else? There's too many. You know, I was looking at direction, but I wasn't looking this much. But you know what? I've just seen somebody put their hand up. There's somebody's learning here. Well done, Haley. What was your answer? Uh-huh. Yeah. To know what it's like to be human, but also... If you, if you flip that around, to show us how to live. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. Okay, so reason why I'm asking those questions is because we, we always start with Jesus came to save us from us, our, our sins, right? And that's not a why. Um, it's really, really important, but it's a what. It's a what he did, but the why he did it is different. So if, we, you know, so if we're going to tell people what is the gospel, um, you're a sinner, and you need to get saved from your sins. That's the gospel, right? It's not. It's just not. Um, the gospel is so much more than that. It includes that, but it's so much more than that. You see, in, in, when God created the earth and, and the Garden of Eden, what we see is man at, at peace with himself, at peace with the earth, at peace with God, and man and woman at peace with each other, first time ever. Um, that was a joke. Um, but we see this, that is, that is and, and so we, we, we read, and it's really sad the way it's written in the Bible, that we actually read that God came to walk with Adam and Eve in, in the cool of the day, right? Um, read it after. When you hear about that after, after they'd blown it. But... The entire gospel story is a work of restoration. 
It's God coming down. Jesus, is, as Haley was saying, Jesus coming down, living on this earth and going, here is a way to live in perfect relationship with the Father, knowing who you are and whose you are, being able to live in communion with God and to be able to navigate through this world in a different way without sin. And two pe people are ask, asking two questions in their lives. Really, they're asking two questions. And those two questions are, who am I and why am I here? Who am I and why am I here? And we ask them in lots of different ways. And a lot of people actually don't ask them at all. They push those questions as far back in their mind as they can possibly get so they don't really have to think about those questions. But Jesus came and he walked on this earth. And the first thing that we can say is Jesus knew exactly who he was. Twelve years old. And he disappears. His parents find him at the temple. He's just like, just hanging out in my dad's house here. You know, he knows who he is. He's the son of God. He's living in that reality. Um, we see that um, at his baptism, that the Holy Spirit descends upon him. And the Father speaks. And what does the Father say in Luke 3? He says, um, this is my Son, whom I love, in whom I am well pleased. Now, for whose benefit were those words said? For our benefit. Because you think Jesus already knew that. Well, he knew it when I was 12. So I doubt by the time he was 30, he would have changed. This is my son whom I love in whom I am well pleased. What had Jesus done in his public ministry up until that point? Nothing, because he hadn't started yet, right? So he was loved and God was well pleased with him and he hadn't done anything. Because this was the reality that he lived in. So everything that Jesus does in his earthly ministry, how he reacts to other people around him and in his life, is based on the fact that he knows who he is and what he's about. And so, in, in Mark chapter 1, uh, there's this great story where um, Peter's mother-in-law is unwell, and Jesus comes around to the house, and uh, they pray, and Peter's mother-in-law gets, gets better. It's a miracle. And every, then everybody hears about it, and everybody starts hanging around the house, and there's hundreds of people all trying to get in to this house, and, and people are getting healed everywhere, and it's amazing, and it's incredible, and the disciples are going, yes, this is what we've been waiting for for hundreds of years. And um, the next morning, Jesus has done a runner. He's gone. Or as it says in the Bible, he went up into um, lonely places to pray, right? But there's hundreds of people there, and Jesus disappears. And they go and they find him, and they're like, Jesus, all these people are here. This is it. They want healed. You know, revival is happening. And Jesus says, come on, we'll go to the other towns. Why would he do that? Because he's not listening to the crowd. He's not responding to the expectation of the masses. He's listening to the voice of the Father. And the voice of the Father must have said, come on, Jesus, and we'll head over to that other wee town, that other wee village, and let's go from town to town and village to village and tell people um, the good news. But Jesus actually said about himself, I only do what I see the Father doing. Wouldn't it be great in our lives if we could live a little bit more like that, where rather than responding to other people and their expectations, rather than responding to the temptation of sin, rather than, than responding to 
fear, rather than responding to whatever else in our lives, we could just go, Father, what are you saying? And how can I respond to you? And as we've looked at over the, the last number of weeks, in the life of Jesus, we have a pattern of how he lived an empowered and supernatural life. You see, you only get one chance to live a supernatural life. Did you know that? And you only get it here on earth because how many people get healed in heaven? Hmm? How many people get set free in heaven? How many people's lives are changed and transformed from sin in heaven? Answer is none. Right? The answer is none. So when you think about that, to live a life in the kingdom of change and transformation, to see healing and miracles and all sorts of amazing other things, we only get to do that on this earth. But how? How do we do that? Because I think a lot of us just live in, in, in a kind of different place, which, which can be and can feel like survival mode. <coughs> but what, um, what we see in the life of Jesus is that at his baptism, he was filled with the Spirit. And, and I, I did this a few weeks ago, so if you want to check all the references, you can go back um, and do it. But they're all in Luke. Um, Luke is very good at kind of systematically showing us this. So Jesus is filled with the Spirit at his baptism. He's sent by the Spirit out into the desert to be tempted by Satan for 40 days. Um, he's then sent um, by the Spirit again out of the desert. And he goes to Nazareth, and, and he goes to the synagogue, and he opens up the scripture, and he says, wait for it, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, and he's appointed me to see miracles and lives changed and transformed. This is what I'm here to do. And then... Chapter after chapter and verse after verse, we see what a life lived in the Spirit looks like. We see lives changed and transformed. We see broken people engaged with and set free. We see miracles. We see people raised from the dead. And Jesus lives this life which shows us what a life in the Spirit should look like. And that's all well and good. And as I said a number of weeks ago in my other talk, what we can sometimes do is kind of go, yeah, but that's Jesus. Like, we're not actually supposed to do that. We're supposed to look at him, admire him, and think, whew, isn't Jesus some boy? He's amazing. He can do all this stuff. The life of the Spirit, and I'm going to use this little phrase, that Jesus was zero resistant to the Spirit, and therefore we have the opportunity to live into a life that looks a little bit like Jesus. So either you can live a life that looks like you on your best day, which isn't going to be very many days, um, or you can live a life, live into a life that looks like a life in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, being led by God, seeing your life fundamentally changed and transformed, and then seeing other lives and other people and other situations transformed too. Um, because we started with Jesus dying on the cross, Jesus, we sing that song, Jesus paid it all. What did he pay for? He didn't pay for mediocrity. He didn't pay for you to rock up once a week at a church and punch your card. He paid for life and life in all of its fullness. What's that he said about himself? I've come, you may have life and life in all of its fullness. And we go, nah, well, let me just be happy to, you know, come to church once a week and maybe do a Bible study, but not every week. Um, 
or whatever else. But we have the opportunity to live something a little bit more amazing. Um, and, and whether we like it or not, not only do we get to live this life, but here's the really exciting thing, is that Jesus decided that how he would tell other people about this amazing life that he died and paid for and has, has been avail made available to us, as he would tell everybody else in the world how amazing what he has done is by using you to do that. Isn't that a scary thought? Um, I saw we quote um, this morning, and um, it reminded me of, um, of something that I've been thinking about and something I've been teaching about this weekend. And it said... Non-Christians won't read the Bible. They'll read you. It's so true, isn't it? They'll read you. And then we're like, oh dear. Well, if I could tell which day to, they, they can read me on and probably actually which hour and possibly which minute, then that would be great. Or the Bible actually says it in, in a different way. So in 2 Corinthians 3, Johnny, if we could have that on the screen. In 2 Corinthians 3, um, Paul is writing yet another letter to the Corinthians um, about their, probably about their behavior and all sorts of nonsense that's going on. And he's trying to explain to them how he has authority to be speaking into their lives. But he says this, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you and from you? So listen to this, you yourselves are our letter written on human hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Like that, that blows my mind. Jesus has chosen to write a love letter to the world on your heart. He's chosen to, it is his good purpose to look at you and think, I want to tell my story through you. I want the world to know through you that we are a letter written on human hearts by the Spirit of, of God. So it, it goes on and says, such confidence we have through Christ before God, not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. So the old way, the following the laws, the following the rules and regulations that most of the Old Testament shows we cannot adhere to, that we cannot achieve, has gone away, and the Holy Spirit, and what's the most important thing about the Holy Spirit? The clue is in his name. He is holy. So the Holy Spirit actually can't reside in anything else that isn't holy, and the only reason the Holy Spirit can reside in you is because what Jesus did at the cross is that we are presented as holy before a holy God, which means that the Holy Spirit himself can come and reside in us. And as we've looked at through this series, what we said was that Jesus lived and taught the disciples the way to go. And he said, it's going to be better that I leave because if I leave, the Holy Spirit is going to come. And he's not just going to be with you. He's going to be in you. 
And in fact, then, uh, before Jesus ascends, after being resurrected, when everybody has seen, or the disciples have seen who he is, they know that he is the savior of the world. They know that he is a power over death. He says, you guys aren't ready yet. You're going to have to wait. You're going to have to wait with the good news as much as you're busting to go out and tell the world about it because you're not equipped. Why are you not equipped? Because you don't have the Holy Spirit yet. But when the Holy Spirit comes, then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It's then that you will be my witnesses because you're fully equipped. If, if You plus the Holy Spirit is you equipped for whatever situation you're going to find in life. And that's exciting. But it's about us learning to cooperate with the Spirit. It's not about behavior modification per se, although behavior modification um, it has, has its value as we want to walk in the ways of Jesus. But the, how we are truly transformed. So if you've heard me preach in, in any uh, amount of time, one of my favorite verses is uh, Romans 12, <coughs> verses 1 and 2. Um, and Paul, writing to the church in Rome, says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then you'll be able to taste, test, and see what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And that word, um, transformed, is metamorphosis. Okay, so um, here's another little quiz. <clears throat> Name me some... Uh, Species that experienced metamorphosis. Frogs? Butterflies? Anything else? Well, I would say a tadpole and a frog is probably what? Anything else? Humans? Anybody like me to... Or does anybody want to tell me why humans experience metamorphosis? This is not a metaphor. This is an actual actuality. Any doctors in the house? I'm not going to pick on, on any of you. It's not a trick question, actually. So humans go from being in the womb, okay, and not breathing air, but actually being surrounded by liquid to when they're born, breathing air, and that's actually metamorphosis scientifically. There you go. So imagine you're a caterpillar, and you're just a fat little caterpillar eating lots of leaves all day, as the good book says, um, the hungry little caterpillar. And um, you're, you're eating loads of leaves, but you, you, one day you look up and you see a butterfly, and you think, wow, like that guy, like he's just rocking it. Like look at him. Uh, or her, so beautiful, flying away, gets to go wherever he wants. And I'm sitting here in this leaf thinking, I'd love to be where there are those leaves. That's probably going to take me a week. I can't get there. And what sometimes happens is that, that we as Christians, we're like, this cat, we're like this caterpillar, and we read the Bible, and we go to church, and we're told that we're, God wants us to be wonderful butterflies, and just so beautiful, and amazing, and incredible, and so we think, look at me, I'm like this little caterpillar, so I'll go and I'll make myself some butterfly wings, and you know, maybe try and give it a go, I'll try and look as amazing as I can, and that is behavior modification. Now, here's another quiz. Where does a, a, like a caterpillar get um, a chrysalis from? Like, do they go to a, a shop? 
And I say this, and I'm thinking about turning into a butterfly. Um, have you gone any chrysalises? Chrysalai? <laughs> Where do they get them from? Because I've told this before, so somebody should remember, somebody should listen to one of my sermons. I heard it, I heard it over here somewhere. Some of them spin it, but actually, no. Okay, just stop now, because you're all going to get it wrong, and it's going to be really awkward. Almost, it, a chrysalis is actually itself. It is a shedding of its own skin. It then remains in, its, in a layer of itself, and internally, inside itself, if you like, it is transformed from within. It goes through metamorphosis. And so, the, I'm just telling you all that to say that the, the work of, of Christ is this inner work of complete transformation. That what starts to emerge looks like something completely different. And it's a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And that is incredible. So, either you can choose to be a caterpillar with some homemade strapped-on wings trying to pretend that you're a butterfly, or you can, over time, allow the work of the Holy Spirit to transform you. And so this inner work is what God is calling us to, what he's continuing to call us to. But also then, as Debbie was talking about last week, we are equipped with the gifts of the Spirit so that we can minister to each other. Because the wonderful work of transformation is that it's not... Unlike the caterpillar, it's not a solo work. It's not you going away somewhere, hiding, and then coming out going, look at me, guys, I'm completely transformed. You get to do all the messy work of transformation with other people. Isn't that good news? And, and so we have to put up with each other because we're all in this process of transformation. We're all in this process of metamorphosis. But we get to spur one another on to good deeds. We get to encourage each other, call out destiny from each other, support each other, pray for each other as part of the body of Christ. The work of metamorphosis is a community work, and that's really exciting. So one of the exciting things about that is spiritual gifts. Johnny, could you put up that slide with the set of gifts on it? Brilliant. So this is me just switching state now, okay? Um, so these are the gifts that, that uh, Debbie was talking about some of these um, last week. These are from different sections um, of the New Testament. But we have all these gifts available to us for us to minister the kingdom, to be involved in God's kingdom come of lives being changed and transformed, primarily our own and then each other and then the world. And uh, Debbie covered words of wisdom, words of knowledge, and um, discerning of spirits last week. And I, I'm just going to cover very briefly a few of them, but I want to tell you a story. I'm going to tell you a story that's true. Half of you, probably, maybe a third of you have heard it before. Um, I do have an, a newer story of somebody's life miraculously changed and transformed, but two things that don't have their permission to tell it. And secondly, they're, they're involved in one of our congregations in church. Um, but it's a really good story too. And when I do um, get to the point of being able to tell that story, I will. But um, so a number of years ago, uh, I was at a conference. It was actually in Drumcree Parish Church. And a team had come over from America. And there was about four or 500 people in the room. And 
uh, they were giving out prophetic words, um, you know, asking for, for different things. And uh, one of the guys who was actually the leader of the team, he said, is there anyone here tonight called Brian? And I'm thinking, you know, that's a pretty good bet. There's about four or 500 people here. There must be like, you know, two or three, maybe four Brian's. Um, and he felt that he had a specific word for somebody called Brian, which is fair enough. That's one of the ways that God works. It's a word of knowledge for somebody here called Brian. And then the person has a word for them. I'm completely okay with that. So nobody responds. There's either no Brian's or Brian is hiding. And so, but the guy keeps going. He keeps saying, are you sure? There's, I really feel really strongly. There's somebody here called Brian and nobody responds. He, and he does it a third time, and I'm like, fair play to you, you are fishing, like this, if Brian is here, he's going to have to give up soon, he's going to just admit that he's there, doesn't happen, so that's on a Thursday, and on a Saturday morning, um, I'm at home, and our kids, I think Debbie was unwell, and do you know what, when one of you, as a parent, when one of you is unwell, and your children know, they know and their behavior suddenly changes, and they're going to be the worst behaved that they can possibly be. And if you have multiple of children, there's like a dynamic that happens there where you feel like it's like you against some kind of army, okay? That's where I was. And so I thought, I need to get these children out. I need to go and do something. So I said, right, kids, we're going to go to the park. And they're like, we're not going to the park unless we have our bikes so I went into the garage and I pulled out the bikes and one of them was broken. Like, the bikes are broken. We'll just have to go to the park the way they are. We're not going to the park unless we have our scooters. I'm like, right. I'll go and get the scooters then. So I'll go and get the scooters and we've only got two scooters working. So I said, get into the car. I went, this is true, I went, in, I went to Sports Direct and I bought a third scooter. Because to be fair, the particular child needed a new scooter and had... Uh, was due one anyway so I finally get my children to the park and we get into Lurgan Park and the, the pathway <coughs> from the kind of entrance where the fountain is down to the play park and they were maybe like let's say eight five and three okay so they're not that old and they disappear way off they're scooting towards the play park and I'm like yes and just as I did that, this guy walks across my path and he said to whoever, but very loud, as he walked past me, he said, I'm not normally drunk, you know, I'm not normally drunk. And I looked at him and I went, I bet you're not. Um, <laughs> and he said, no, mate, no, I'm not normally drunk. You see, I, my back, I have a really, really, really sore back. My back is so sore. I'm in so much agony. So that's why I've been drinking all day. It was 12, about 12 p.m. at this stage uh, in Lurgan Park. So I said, um, uh, right, listen, I don't think alcohol is going to fix your back. But I have an idea. I think that Jesus could heal your back. And uh, so I'm saying these things, but thinking I need to switch back into being a Christian um, mode. Do you know when you ever get that? Uh, or is it just me? So anyway, so I said, look, I, I think, um, yeah. And I said, look, I'm a Christian. And he went, I know you are. I know you are. He says, there's something different about you. He didn't know the morning that I'd had, obviously. And then, being a nice drunk guy, he starts pointing at loads of people in the park and shouting really loudly. See him? I hate him. See her? I hate her. I hate him. I hate him. I hate her. He said, there's something different about you. I said, 
my name's Chris. What's your name? He said, my name's Brian. I said, Brian, I think God's looking for you. Um, I was in a meeting on Thursday night, and this may sound really, really weird. There's about four or 500 people there. How many Brians do you think there were? And he's like, I don't know, like two or three. I said, there were none, but you're the Brian that God's been looking for. Can I pray with you? And so um, I put my hand on him, and I thought, like my, my faith for healing, by the way, at this stage was probably like this. Um, I thought, well, I'll pray for healing, and then what I'll do is because I've got an opportunity, see if you ever get an opportunity for prayer, just go for it. So I started praying. I just felt like, God, I need you to speak to Brian because I don't have anything to give him. And so I just started prophesying over him, start speaking into his identity and his purpose and who God um, saw him to be. And his eyes shot open and he looked at me and he went, can you read minds? And then he's like, you're a mind reader. You've got special powers. So then he starts telling everybody in the park, this guy's got special powers. He can read minds. Like, Brian, shh, easy. I don't have special powers, but God knows you and he loves you. And he's after you, Brian. So I prayed and um, I put my hand on him. You know, mind if I put my hand on your shoulder? You know that? You always have to do that. And, um, and then he just went, he said, I, I'm, my back's better. I think my back's better. And um, so before I had a chance to say, could you carefully check that out? Brian was touching his toes and shooting up and down like really quickly and going, yep, it's better. That's brilliant. And, um, and then he starts telling everybody in the park again that I have special powers. Um, and I said, look, my kids... I still had three kids. They were in the park somewhere. God was looking after them. So I said, Brian, look, my, my kids are in the park here. Can you maybe go and sit over in this bench near the park? I'd love to have a chat with you, tell you about Jesus. And so we sat in a park bench, and we had a chat, told him about Jesus. And you never guess what. He wanted to give his life to Jesus at that point because he'd seen that God knew him and was after him and he experienced healing. So he gave his life to Jesus. And I said, okay, Brian, listen, I pastor a church in, in Portadown. Um, but um, there's a really good church here in Lurgan. Why don't you meet me outside Emmanuel, which is by Sports Direct, on Sunday night, and I'll take you to church and introduce you to some people. And so I took him to church, and the first person that walked in, that was walking out the doors, Brian was walking in, was his parole officer. Uh, big surprise there. Um, but there was somebody that he knew, and it was somebody that he had a connection with, and God had set that up. So I was able to introduce him to uh, his parole officer. We had a chat, and Brian um, suffers from ADHD, and he said, look, I'm not going to be able to stay in church longer than about five minutes, but I'll come. And he sat for 45 minutes through the service, and he said, this is the first time that I've sat down anywhere for 45 minutes. Um, this is amazing. And introduce him to some other people and stuff, and that's more or less the end of the story. Now, stuff like that happens, not all the time, but it, it, it happens. It happened to me uh, five or six weeks ago when I was in Littles, and um, 
uh, again, I, I was just, I'd left Zach off at football. I only had an hour. I was trying to do some shopping. There was a guy um, who was drunk and I ended up giving him a lift and all these things happened. And uh, because of a little bit of what I was doing and what other people were doing in his life, he gave his life to Jesus. That sort of stuff happens, right? Take a look at the list on the um, screen and tell me which gifts I was operating in or used during that story. And shout them out. Healing, yep. Yep. The healing, and what was the other one? Words of wisdom. Mercy, prophecy. Yeah, so, so lots of them, right? Lots of them. And I'm telling that story to, to, to in, in illustrate something, which is this, is that when the Holy Spirit is in our lives, he comes in the fullness of himself. And sometimes we get taught in, in Christian circles, what is your gift? What is your gifting? And you're like, well, I have the gift of this, and I have the gift of that, and I'm, you know, I have the gift of prophecy, but I don't have the gift of healing. There's no doubt that people tend to, to if you like, specialize in and, and maybe have more skill in certain gifts. But if the Holy Spirit is in you and the Holy Spirit is a person, then the person of the Holy Spirit doesn't kind of like, it would be like if, if I invited somebody around for, um, uh, a barbecue and uh, we're around having a barbecue and we're just there to have social time and have a chat one of my kids falls and that person is a doctor and I'm like oh, I wish I'd invited you around as a doctor to my house but because I just invited you around as a friend and we're having a barbecue you can't do anything about the fact that my child is in pain you know because they would switch from having a chat barbecue mode to doctor mode whether they liked it or not um that, you know, do you know what I mean? Because that's what they're skilled and equipped for. That's part of their personhood. And so when we're looking at these gifts, um, I don't really have time to teach on them specifically today. What we have to realize is that all of these gifts are available to us to one degree or another. And if we are cooperating with the Holy Spirit, so in Galatians 5, 22 to 26 is that, you know, it's the gifts of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kind, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But at the end of it, it says, you know, since we have the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And I think keeping in step with the Spirit is what we're called to do as we live our Christian lives. And that then as we are in situations, we're asking Holy Spirit, could, will you help me? This person needs to hear a word from you. And, and the Holy Spirit will help you. I need to pray for healing now. The Holy Spirit will help you. I need wisdom now. The Holy Spirit will help you. You see, we need the Holy Spirit in our lives. And he comes with gifts. But the gifts are not a tool belt. I've heard people teach this before. That the gifts are a tool belt. Whatever tool you need. Right? How would you like, like it if somebody treated you like that? You know, can you come here as my kind of DIY expert and fix those lights or whatever? The, the Holy Spirit comes in the fullness of his person and he partners with us in the work of God's kingdom, which makes the things that Jesus did possible if we will cooperate with him. It's that easy and it's that hard.
But that's what we're called to do. So just in conclusion, right? Let's preacher speak for, I don't know, a period of time. There is no doubt that this world needs an encounter, but it doesn't need an encounter with you. It needs an encounter with God, but God has chosen that he's going to give the world an encounter of himself through you. And so we need to get on board with this cooperation with the Spirit because there are so many people who are broken out there in our communities and they need Jesus. And he sends you and he sends me. There are so many situations that are beyond natural help and we need Jesus and we need the wisdom of heaven. On my phone this morning, this little uh, alert beeped up from the news and it said, people are losing faith in world leaders for the solutions to the world's problems. People are losing faith in other people to sort out the world's problems. Isn't that great? If people are losing faith in world leaders, then could it be that they need to have faith in someone else? So many of our problems in the world right now are not just difficult or complex. They're in miracle territory. They're in miracle territory. It's interesting, isn't it? Could it be that so many of the world's problems are in a territory that requires God, that God is the answer, that the kingdom is the answer, that the possibly people who love Jesus are part of the answer. For me, that's exciting. And, and we get with the Holy Spirit to be sprinkled out into society and out into our communities in whatever environment you're in. Um, it says in Matthew 13, verse 33, that the kingdom of God is like yeast, and it's worked right through the dough. It's worked right, right through everything. And everything starts to rise. And everything starts to be changed and transformed. And so, does our health service need completely transformed? 100%. Is it in miracle territory? According to most people, it probably is. What is the miracle that is required? Do our communities need that? Does our education system need that? Does, does mental health need that? Yes, it does. And we get to play our part in whatever God has called us to do with the Holy Spirit to bring change and transformation. But to get back to our, you are a letter written on human hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit, unless there's metamorphosis in here, then we've got nothing to give. We've got nothing. But the great thing is that it is God's good pleasure to do exactly that. So my favorite verse is Ezekiel 36, 24 to 26. If Johnny could put it up on the screen, you probably know these are my favorite verses if you've heard me preach any length of time. Um, I absolutely love that because the world's problems seem so vast and so big that we're thinking, I'm just trying to figure out what's for lunch here or whether I can put fuel in my car next week to get to work. But God comes and he does miracles through us and through his people. Ezekiel 36, 24 to 26.
Okay. No, but that's, you're getting closer. Lord, help him. Nearly. I had a bookmarked anyway. Um, th this is this is what um, Ezekiel thirty six. You can take a look at this if you want. Um, that's brilliant. This is where my eyesight is so bad. I'm like halfway between glasses now. And it says this: For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. Let me start again. We'll do a wee quiz, okay? Count how many times I is in it. Right, you ready? For I will take you out of the nations and I will gather you from all countries and bring you back into your land. I will sprinkle you clean or sprinkle clean water on you and will be, you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your iniquities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and to be careful to keep my laws. How many eyes? Okay, great. So... God says to the people of Israel who are constantly disappoint, disappointing him and themselves, I am going to do this, okay? I'm going to take away your heart of stone. I'm going to replace it with a heart of flesh. So that's rebirth. I'm going to put my spirit in you, and I am going to move you to follow my decrees and keep my laws. God says, I am going to come to do it because what is impossible for man is possible through God. And so everything becomes possible. The possibility to live a life that looks like Jesus comes because Jesus comes and does it. It was impossible for us to get saved. It's impossible for us to live a life that looks like we're saved, except that Jesus comes. But it is his good pleasure to do exactly that. So here's what I'd like to do. Why don't we all stand? If you can. And at this, the end of our series on the Holy Spirit is not the end of having to think or talk about the Holy Spirit. It's maybe the start of something. Start of something more in your life. So what I would love to do is to pray for you and for you to be open to receiving from the Spirit this morning. You can put your hands out if you want to receive. I think it's a good posture um, to do. You don't have to do that. And I would love for you to, in your mind, ask the Holy Spirit for what you need the most this morning. So maybe you need comfort because you're in pain. Maybe you need breakthrough for a situation in your life. Maybe you need healing. Maybe you've, you've been living your life and trying to do things in your strength for so long that you're just like, why am I doing this? Maybe you need to invite Jesus into your life for the first time and say, I'm not doing a particularly good job of being boss of my life. Would you come? Would you forgive my sin? Would you accept me as your son? 
would you help me to know who I am and why I'm here and help me to live the rest of my life for you. Give your life to Jesus this morning. Maybe you need healing. And maybe you're thinking, I would love to start doing some of this, seeing God's kingdom of God come stuff, to see people healed and changed and transformed. Whatever that looks like, ask him. Because the Bible tells us that he is a good father who loves to give gifts to his children. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you for sending Jesus. We thank you that we don't have to live this life alone, that you have come and made a way for us to come into relationship with you, a holy God. But not only do we get in, not only do we get rescue, but we get restoration and we get transformation. God, help us not to settle for anything less than our lives transformed. So we, I just ask now, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit, let your peace and your presence rest upon everyone in this room. God, will you do what, what you need to do in hearts and minds? I thank you that you love every person in this room and you see where they're at right now, what the desire of their heart is, where their pain is, where their ache is, where they're struggling. And God, you are more than enough for whatever they're going through. So let your peace come and let your presence come. That you would go and do in a moment what seems to take a lifetime. God, that you would bring physical healing. That you would bring healing to, to mental health. God, that you would let hope arise in hopeless situations. That you would bring about in us the kind of change and transformation that people then look at us and go, what happened to you? And we get to say, it's, um, it's not me, it's Jesus. God, we thank you you can do that. So we say more, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. And God is here. You might feel that physically in your body. You might sense a weight or a heaviness. You might feel emotional. You might not feel anything at all, but God will still be working. So God, we pray for a deeper work right now. And we speak visions and dreams for the future into people's minds right now. Where hopes have been dashed, where dreams have fallen apart, where brokenness has led to uh, survival mode. We speak the dreams, the hopes of heaven. In Acts chapter 2, we read that when the Spirit comes, Peter quotes Joel 2, and he says, your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will have visions. That I will pour out my Spirit in those days upon men and women, and they will prophesy. And we need hope in our society, and we need hope in this world. And so we ask for the dreams and the visions of heaven. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. If God has been speaking to you and you would like some prayer, if you want to talk to me about anything, 
Um, if you'd like prayer for healing or anything specifically, please come to the front. If you want to argue with me about my theology, um, Stephen's over there. Um, but I would love to have a chat with you. But can you pick up your kids from Kids Ministry and sign them out as well? That would be amazing. Thank you very much.